1: Kick off Super Bowl 56 weekend with host Keegan-Michael Key. Find out who will be named the AP Most Valuable Player. Delivered by Pizza Hut, the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. Presented by Nationwide and more. Plus, the Pro Football Hall of Fame Class of 2022 delivered with Uber Eats will be revealed. NFL Honors presented by Invisalign. Thursday, February 10th at 9 Eastern, 8 Central on ABC, NFL Network and ESPN+. Plus. All times live except in the Pacific Time Zone. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: (laughs) Pete Davidson is getting over 100 tattoos removed. Gigi Hadid wants paparazzi, press, and fan accounts to blur her and Zayn Malik's daughter's face in photos. And influencer and body confidence activist Sarah Nicole Landry, a.k.a. The Bird's Papaya, joins us with a conversation about self-acceptance we all need to start having. It's July 6th, 2021. Hey, friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Shiloh
2: Watson. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. So apparently comedian Pete Davidson plans to get his many, many... Many tattoos removed over the next couple of years. Earlier this year, he told Seth Meyers he never imagined he'd have a movie career after SNL and how it takes about three hours to cover up all of his ink, which has now led to him beginning the tattoo removal process. Pete recently told People TV he had had his last session about half a year ago and that they should all be gone by the time he's 30. He's even appeared in a Smartwater commercial getting his tattoos removed.
0: You know, when I first heard this, I was like, what? Why is he doing that? That's sad. I mean, good for him. Whatever he wants to do, he can do. But all his tattoos. And then I'm like, "Okay, I get it. If you have an acting career and you need to get your tattoos covered for specific roles, no, that's uh, that's awful.
2: Yeah, but then I'm just like, first of all, tattoo removal really hurts. Yes. And he has so many tattoos. And I mean, I know it's like a permanent thing. Like I have tattoos and it's just like you get them hoping that they're going to be on forever. So I guess like he's really committing to his career at this point, not just like the tattoo removal, because now you know, he has, he's going to be an actor. That's, like, what he's going to do. He's doing all of this for that. Maybe he won't get all of them. Yeah, exactly.
0: And he must have also found, like, a really good doctor because it takes, like, multiple sessions to do, and it's my understanding, based on what I've seen, that sometimes they don't, like, fully go away.
2: Yeah, they don't fully.
0: Right. And he has so I know, I know. He's covered (laughs) head to toe. Gosh. Ugh. But, I mean, kudos to him, I guess. (laughs) Yes. All right so moving on model Gigi Hadid wrote an open letter to paparazzi press and fan accounts asking them not to post photos of her and pop star Zayn Malik's daughter who was born last September or to at least blur her face if they do in an Instagram story Gigi wrote I know it's an extra effort but as a new mom I just want the best for my baby as all parents do. She added that she hopes this quote can continue the conversation to protect minors in the media, even if they come from a public family. Gigi and Zayn have avoided posting photos that clearly feature their daughter's face and want her to be able to make her own decisions about what images of her appear online. So first of all, I love how proactive she is about this. Rather
2: than having it be something that she has to do once the paparazzi like do share photos, I'm glad that she sort of put this message out there. I don't know if it will make a difference, but I think it's such an interesting conversation because you have other celebs like, you know, Chrissy Teigen or the Kardashians who are very open about sharing their children and like posting their photos online and it's almost part of their brand. But then you have other celebs like Kristen Bell and Dak Shepard come to mind who have been adamant about not sharing photos of their kids faces. And that's just not a
0: part of their brand of like what they share online. You know, well, it's interesting that you bring those up because I do see a difference there. I see that Chrissy Teigen and the Kardashians, how they make their money is by sharing. And so they're doing that, whereas when you have like Gigi and Zayn, they've both been able to make their money in other ways. And same for Dax and Kristen. So, no, it is interesting of what you're saying because I really it it probably just comes down to how they've been personally affected by fame. Yeah. And I wonder if age is a factor.
2: I mean, not really, I guess, because Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard are older, but just I think it's interesting that these young celebs are choosing not to. But then also you have like Kylie Jenner, who shares Stormy all the time. So
0: I guess maybe that's not (laughs) (laughs) true. Yeah, you know, I guess I guess it is hard because then, you know, when you talk about Chrissy, it's like, OK, if you're thinking about your friends who aren't famous at all, it's like they want to share pictures of their babies. But then I have a friend who is not famous and she also doesn't want to share photos of her baby's face. Right. So really, yes. it just comes down to, unfortunately, what the parent wants, which kind of sucky because the baby can't make that decision yet. But whatever. Right, yeah. <laughs>
2: It's fine. It's fine. I I think it's so interesting because like with Instagram, it's like different than when your parents maybe like 20 years ago were like at a barbecue sharing photos of you, like like, the wallet (laughs) size photos. And now it's just like it's all online. So it's so different. And like kids can't be like, hey, don't show this random relative this photo of me because it's just it's going out to millions of people. So I, I don't know. But I'm glad it's a conversation that's being had, you know. Okay, so next up, Sarah Nicole Landry, better known as the Bird's Papaya Online, is a body confidence activist who's been cleansing our timelines with messages of self-acceptance and empowerment for years. Over a dozen years ago, she lost half her body weight. Then her body continued to change after four pregnancies, something she's been honest about embracing.
0: Through her signature very candid photos, she aims to normalize every stretch mark and sagging piece of skin. Yet, despite all her positivity, she's still met with body-shaming trolls on a daily basis. However, that hasn't stopped her from forging ahead as a beacon of self-acceptance for us all. She joins us now to talk more about her journey and how we can all learn to start accepting ourselves exactly as we are. Hi, Sarah Nicole. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. You know, your journey originally started with weight loss, and you've been very honest about struggling with loving your body after losing half your body weight. Take us back to that time. How did that moment in your life begin to turn the page for you? Well, you know, it's so
3: funny throughout life. I had always been kind of like the bigger girl of my friends, the bigger girl postpartum. I had kids at a very young age. I had three by the time I was 25. So I went through just a lot of what felt like a constant cycle of body grief and frustration. And you look around the world and the answer seems so clear. The way to kind of, you know, pacify this discomfort with your body is to change it. That is what, you know, we should be seeking to do. And so I felt like when I was in my later 20s, I felt like, you know what, it's time for me. I want to have that acceptance for myself. I want to feel like I'm a part of this world and that I can go swimming with my kids. I'm just missing out on so many experiences. Why don't I just really go after it? Problem being, I didn't really have access to information. Financially, I couldn't get a, a trainer or go to a gym. So it started by downloading an app that told me to eat what a toddler should and, uh, you know, exercising in jeans at first because that's all I had, but I was obsessive about it and I got really into it. And the, when it went from, you know, just me being the only one being a part of it to it being noticed, I mean, started to talk about it online. It just became this like, wow, congratulations. You look so great. You look amazing. I'm so proud of you. People were so happy for me. And I was like, okay, this, this is it. This is acceptance. This feels amazing. But it took a turn at some point, and I can't even really pinpoint it, really. But after my divorce, I remember I had slipped down to an even smaller size. I was then a size zero which was very small for my body frame. And I just remember everyone being like, congratulations, you look so great. You've never looked better. And all I could think about was my life was in complete shambles. Nobody had any idea what was going on or why I was losing this weight. And a bit of a light bulb went off for me that I'm actually going to have to gain back some of this weight because this is just, you know, circumstantial to what's going on. And I began to have so much anxiety around leaving the house. I actually never hit that point of being like, oh my gosh, I love my body. I just love the acceptance that other people were giving me. I still didn't really feel like I could show up at the beach with my kids because I still had cellulite. I still had stretch marks. I still wasn't what I thought was small enough. And I put my body on a performance track of... You, you know, if you're showing up in before and afters, when is that going to end? I just felt like I was constantly chasing that. So eventually I had to flip the script for myself and I had to do it for the people following me. I had to be real honest about the fact that not that I had messed up, but that it didn't solve my problem, that it was all still there. And I just decided to dive into this, the audacity to love yourself in a way that was not conditional on how you looked or what you weighed. And that was absolutely mind blowing
0: to me at the time. And I've kind of been journaling through it ever since. You know, I think it's like if you do go on that journey of self-acceptance that isn't directly tied to losing weight. It really is eye-opening of what you're saying. You you just yeah. go like, "Wait, why haven't we been doing this forever?" Maybe you get mad at society for telling you the other way was the way to do it. And you know, I think what you said, you had that small comment that was like, "I was eating what a toddler was eating." You know, and it's like, "No, we're not meant to do that." So I think my question is, as someone who has previously lost a lot of weight, how do you balance your advice so you're not promoting weight loss as the end-all be-all to body acceptance. Yeah, that was a tricky part of it because a lot of people would look at me
3: and be like, but you're still thin. Like You're not back to your original weight. And so that's where it gets a little nuanced because weight loss in and of itself, uh, it wasn't necessarily an entirely bad thing. And I don't mean in the sense of body acceptance, but I did learn a lot about myself. I tried a lot more foods. I opened myself up to different experiences. I was exercising for the first time in my life and found, finally joy in that. So it couldn't all inherently be bad. And, and I can't put it in that box. I also have allowed myself to eat and love my body and not when I was pregnant, I could not exercise. I had a condition in which exercising could have killed me and my baby. So we had to, you know, go on pelvic rest. So I had to do no exercise. And that was really, really difficult mentally. And I this is me, you know, years into this work thinking, oh, I'm past all of that. Being thrown back into it with pregnancy and body changing and weight gain again was a huge eye-opener to me. And I think that. That's with humanity and with us and with our bodies, we really do strive for this destination, this arrival point in which we feel like we finally figured it all out. And I guess for me, I'm like, I haven't figured it all out. I went through this weight loss journey, it definitely didn't work. I went down this like body positive self-love thing, and that felt like something else I was failing at because I was like, I don't love my body though, so this is a struggle. Until I figured out that the relationship with myself could be just like it is with everybody else where love doesn't have to be butterflies in your stomach in the morning. And this, you know, looking at yourself in the mirror and being like, I love what I see. It's the, like you said, it's almost like that arrival point of understanding. Wait, wait a second, I was always allowed to go to the beach. I was always allowed to wear the shorts. I was always allowed to have my t-shirt off in the bedroom, whatever those things might be that your body kind of was distracting you or pulling you away from. And the more and more I worked on that, I, I, I think my body just became less and less of a focus. And that's kind of where I live now. I, I struggle with it. Sometimes it, it's right there in front of me and I'm struggling. But the overall is I'm trying to deprioritize how much I think about it and how much I obsess over it because you're going to swing into why don't I love myself enough and why am I not positive about my body every day? It's just another thing we're failing at or that's what it feels like.
0: I like what you're saying because I think something that I've learned and really love is just that healing isn't linear. So you're going to have those bad ideas and it does not make you a failure. You're just on this journey of self-acceptance and i've left up all
3: those old posts like i have left them up for a reason like go back and read how uh, like awful i was to myself I, I fat shamed my my before pictures i would say things like if only she had put the fork down and meanwhile i was st- starving and I was malnourished. I lost motion and movement in my legs at one point. And I still was like, no, this is my self-love journey. I'm so healthy. It's incredibly alarming to be in it and then look back on it and be like, oh, right. So I left it all up. And and so people can go back and see all the things that I don't agree with anymore. And the fact that we get to evolve as humans, we get to change our minds. We get to learn and do different.
2: Yeah. And you know, just I don't know. I love that because one of the things that's made you such an inspirational leader has always been your complete honesty. Um, and you even said earlier that you know afterwards you realized that it wasn't like you like it wasn't about everyone else's self acceptance, um, and you sort of pivoted for your followers. So how do you go about deciding what to be? the most open about? And like, what has that been like for you being so honest with yourself and your followers?
3: Years ago, I went to a therapist and she told me that I was a sponge. And like, quite literally, I didn't have my own opinions. I was sponging everybody else's. I was I was trying to make everybody else happy. And that meant absorbing their opinions, absorbing, you know, their thoughts about the world, ideas, everything. So it was very easy for me to fall into diet culture. It was very easy for me to hang out with different people and just absorb whatever it is that they, they want. So her advice to me was, I just want you to pay attention to your own thoughts. I want you to start forming your own opinions. And somewhere along the line, I stopped doing Instagram like we used to, which was posting a photo that was highly curated, very face-tuned, and you know, as perfect as I could possibly show up and edited to, you know, the nines. And you know, you'd go and Google a caption, like what's inspirational I can say about loving myself. And I was like, what if I just started paying attention to what I'm thinking and what is going on inside my brain? And I started writing notes in my phone. They eventually became my captions. So when I say it's very journalistic, I mean, in the sense that I wake up sometimes at two in the morning with the most wild thoughts and and processes, the way that it's written out in my captions is the way that it's flowed out of me and how I've decided to listen to my thoughts because I think that we're very good at living in this world, feeling frustrated about things but not asking ourselves why, feeling really tired with things or, um, you know, social media can give you like this weird, uh, what they call like a social media hangover. It's almost like a fog and you're like, why is that? But what if you actually paid attention to how you felt when you're scrolling? You might be able to pinpoint the things that are happening and you're having conversations with your friends. You might be able to pinpoint when things are actually upsetting you. You might actually find out how to love yourself if you figure out the little tiny moments that are making you happy. And they can be incredibly simple, but they're incredibly individual to each of us. So I think it's really important to state that because what I do for loving myself is going to be different than, than both of you.
0: So, you know, somewhere along the line, your conversations shifted toward reclaiming a sense of self after pregnancy. You recently talked about how a woman's body is often seen as just a vessel for a baby. You know, you wrote about how when you were pregnant, you were praised when your stomach was bigger. Then after you gave birth, that praise turned into body shaming when your body didn't return to what it was before pregnancy. When did you start to realize that was an important part of this conversation? Uh, a really long time ago, I, I say really long time ago, it was probably like
3: four years, I, uh, I started to kind of tiptoe into this idea of sharing what was my deepest and darkest shame because I'd been paying attention to myself and paying attention to my thoughts and my behaviors and it was my stretch marks. And, you know, I say that now and it feels so silly because we see them all the time now four years ago, I had never seen them on anybody else. So four years ago, it was incredibly lonely and incredibly dark and shame breathes in dark places. And so I started tiptoeing into this idea of sharing a little bit more about my stretch marks. And in one particular post, in a very curated way, I shared them while wearing an underwear brand that reached out to me later and asked me to model. And I directly said, no, I will not. And they pushed me and were like, we'd like you to show up and you know, we'll see a Tuesday. It was kind of like a, we're not even asking like, this is what you need to be doing in the nicest way. And I showed up and I was so terrified. I was still kind of going through this self-acceptance thing. And I felt like such a fraud. Like I was Preaching this self love thing, and I'm sh- literally shaking and clutching this robe on my body. I have no desire to shoot these images. And I looked at the photographer, she's a foot shorter than me. And all I could think about was, Oh my gosh, we only take pictures from high angles. What are you doing? And <laughs> I was panicked. And those pictures came out, and they were uh, almost a shot up with a light directed straight on my stretch marks wearing this underwear. And it was them that posted it. And I felt like I was going to vomit when I saw that photo. It was like all of my secrets spilled everywhere. I thought about every ex-boyfriend seeing them, I thought about my family seeing them, I thought about my friends seeing them, I just felt so covered in shame. And then I read the comments and the comments were woman after woman after woman and some men as well being like, I have never seen a body like mine. And this is the first time I've ever seen anything like what my stomach looks like after having kids or from weight gain or from whatever. And it just blew my mind because I was like, wait, what? I'm not alone. Like, I'm not the only one that's going through this. And back when I first got stretch marks, I was 21. So I bawled my eyes out. It was like the worst thing that had ever happened to me. And slowly through this work and through sharing them, there's this quote that I don't know who said it, I've looked up a million times, but it's once a secret is told, it loses its power. So once this image was out there that initially I felt so much shame over, suddenly I didn't care so much about it. Suddenly I was like, oh, whatever, everybody's seen them. So I just started wearing two pieces and I started wearing crop tops and I started just like not caring in the bedroom anymore. Like it wasn't as big a deal. But going through postpartum again for the fourth time and over a decade after I'd done it before, is the first time I was gonna be tested in real time, what was my actual response going to be when I've done this work, when I've learned so much about myself and my body and how my emotions and all of this. And it was so shocking to me that I could still go through so much body grief, but I just wanted to honor it. And the fact that there is such a snapback culture, there's a bounce back culture that exists, and it's not the direction we're going. Our bodies change. Our bodies are changing whether we have children or not, but we are truly held in such high regard when we're pregnant. Doors are open for you. People treat you differently. And then once that baby is born, all that attention shifts To baby human. And you're left there reeling, going, What just happened to me? I just went through this whole year. I've I've stretched, I've bleed, I've broken my body for this. Everyone's like, Oh, but you got a baby, it's cute. And you're like, I'm just standing here in this grief and this in all and everything that has just happened. And I need time. My body is not going to do this snapback. I need time to sit with this and share this. And so I've literally in the most uncomfortable of States taken pictures of my body and posted them on the internet because I don't ever want anybody to feel like I did when I was 21, who for the next decade would hide her body in complete shame and remove herself from life and experiences within it due to those feelings.
2: All right. We have more with Sarah Nicole Landry on embracing this journey to self-acceptance coming up. We'll be right back. I'm Jake Halpern, host of Deep Cover. Our new season is about a lawyer who helped the mob run Chicago. We controlled the courts. We controlled absolutely everything. He bribed judges and even helped a hitman walk free. Until one day when he started talking with the FBI and promised that he could take the mob down. I've spent the past year trying to figure out why he flipped and what he was really
1: after. From my perspective, Bob was too good to be true. There's gotta be something wrong with this.
3: I wouldn't trust that guy. He looks like a little scumbag liar, stool pigeon.
0: He looked like what he was, a rat. I can say with all certainty, I think he's a hero because he didn't have to do what he did and he did it anyway.
2: The moment I put the wire on the first time, my life was over. If it ever got out, they would kill me in a heartbeat. Listen to Deep Cover on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
4: podcasts. Hi, I'm Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick,
2: and we're the hosts of the science podcast Stuff to Blow Your Mind, where every week we get to explore some of the weirdest questions in the universe.
1: Like, if sci-fi teleportation was possible, how would it square with the multitudes of organisms that inhabit our human bodies? Can we find evidence of emotions in animals like bees, ants, and crayfish? How would an interplanetary civilization function? Does free will exist? Stuff to Blow Your Mind examines neurological quantum Cosmic Mysteries, Evolutionary Marvels, and the Wonders of Techno-History. Basically, this show is the altar where we worship the weirdness of reality. If anybody ever told you you ask the weirdest
2: questions, it is time to come join us in the place where you belong, the Stuff to Blow Your
1: Mind podcast. New episodes publish every Tuesday and Thursday with bonus episodes on Saturdays.
2: Listen to Stuff to Blow Your Mind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever
0: you get your podcasts
2: welcome back we're talking with sarah nicole landry aka the bird's papaya about self-acceptance in a post-covid world so as someone who was having these conversations years you know before it was popular what are your thoughts on the growth this body acceptance movement has seen have you seen the conversation shift during the pandemic or have you noticed a change in the way that people view their bodies yeah,
3: it does feel very mainstream right now, which is, is such a cool thing. It's, it's such a really neat thing to see. And it's also brought up a lot of really important conversations. Even for someone like myself, when people would, you know, label body positivity on me, it was almost an uncomfortable thing where I'd have to correct them and be like, Actually, body positivity is reserved for um, those in fat bodies who have liberated themselves from fat being a negative word. They're, you know, this the BIPOC community really championed that. And so it felt a little ick for me to be like, oh, I'm still a straight size, like I can still shop wherever I want, a white woman who lives with a lot of privilege. And so there is such a clear separation between the conversations and it's had to be pinpointed many times throughout this because Everyone has only ever lived their own individual experiences. So everyone has struggled in their body in very different ways. It's not about silencing anybody, but it is a bigger conversation when the world is still letting you sit on airplane seats with not an extra ticket to sit in a second one. It's a little bit different when you can shop anywhere you want. There's a a lot to pay attention to in the bigger picture and what the movement has really done is opened up the doors for so many and it's really pushed for a lot of different changes and in bigger conversations about our self-worth and who we're showing up for and kind of working against dismantling diet culture and this shame that goes from generation to generation and gets passed down mother to daughter over and over. So we're kind of breaking that cycle. We're kind of looking at beauty in a much more multifaceted way. It's really cool to see. And it's also really important that in that journey that we still open ourselves up to the journeys of other people. We understand where our privilege lies within it. My big issue is I followed everyone that was like maybe a medium-sized body instead of following extra smalls because it was so important for me to see a different body shape. And Now I'm like, I need to follow all different types of bodies. We all have so many different experiences. Follow the disabled community, follow non-binary, follow everyone who's kind of going through, follow trans accounts, like everyone who existing in larger bodies, smaller bodies, chronically ill I've learned so much about what body acceptance looks like, or even body neutrality, or what body positivity is really meant about. But I think it's important that um, the conversation is happening, the pendulum is swinging, and the cycles are breaking. So while it is still a little flawed, and we still have to create this clarity around a lot of it, I think it's really important to see that this younger generation is coming up into a world where we're having the conversation at all.
0: So, you know, you've had so many important conversations and have developed a lot of self-acceptance tools throughout the years. Where have you settled in terms of the best advice for anyone struggling to accept their bodies? I mean, what would you say to someone who is just now realizing that maybe covering up at the beach isn't their only option?
3: Well, yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because covering up at the beach felt like something that we had to do in order to even be accepted into that experience. So first of all, just almost listening to your own thoughts and peeling back the layers on your own why. Why do you feel that? What pushed you to feel that? What kind of narratives have you grown up on and listened to and heard repeatedly that maybe you want to change? So it really does take a lot of paying attention. But I also want to say as much as we kind of push this, just wear the shorts and just wear the bikinis, Do whatever makes you not so distracted by your body. Jamila Jamil one time, um, she was on my podcast and she said to me like something around the lines of, you know, we're so, women are so distracted by their bodies. Imagine what we could be doing with all of that thought and time. (laughs) Uh And it's like, oh my gosh, how much of my life have I spent so... Spiraling down these paths, you know, going, ruminating over thoughts around my body. And that just really woke me up to the fact that, you know what, if you want to wear a one piece and like a full cover up all the way down, I'm just really glad you showed up. I, Cause I think that that's still a really big step. And I think that if that's what makes you feel the least distracted by your body, or if it's that you want to show up in that two piece, you've never felt the sun on your stomach before. And you're like, this is my time. I recognize that I have always been allowed to do this. And I'm going to take that step to really honor that, to challenge myself, to like do whatever it takes. And that is such a freeing feeling too. I think both of them on both sides can really serve each other, but it's important to kind of figure out where you're at. So again, really listening to your own thoughts, not just bypassing them all and and taking time with yourself.
0: Well, Sarah, Nicole, I just want to genuinely thank you for joining us today. This has been such a great conversation.
3: Thank you so much. And as always, I am a bagel bite as per BuzzFeed. So thank you always (laughs) for letting me constantly know who I am as a pizza slice. But I love everything you guys are doing. I I appreciate so much the opportunity to come and share a little bit of my story and hopefully encourage some of yours.
2: That's it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow. And remember, maybe think before you ink. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the
0: iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily.
4: I haven't really woken up until I've had my McDonald's breakfast deal.
0: Give us your attention, we need everything you got fast Waiting on reparations, we be the illest podcast
1: Tune in every Thursday, politics and wordplay We fight for the people cause they got us in the worst way From the hill to Brazil, Bombay to Kanye From the left enclave to what the neocons say Every Thursday cop the heady conversation and break us off with some bread cause we waiting waiting on on reparations reparations. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
4: When's the last time you took a timeout? I'm Eve Rodsky, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fair Play, and Find Your Unicorn Space, activist on the gender division of labor, attorney, and family mediator. And I'm Dr. Aditi Narukar, a Harvard physician and medical correspondent with an expertise in the science of stress, resilience, mental health, and burnout. We're so excited to share our podcast, Time Out, a production of iHeart Podcasts and Hello Sunshine. We're peeling back the layers around why society makes it so easy to guard men's time like it's diamonds and treat women's time like it's infinite, like sand. And so whether you're partnered with or without children or in a career where you want more boundaries, this is a place for you, for people of all family structures. So take this time out with us to learn, get inspired, and most importantly, reclaim your time. Listen to Time Out, a Fair Play podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.